You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, y'all. Bayou Benders here to talk to you about the latest from our sponsors, DraftKings. Basketball season won't be around forever. So get in on all the action now with DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy sports. DraftKings is giving new players a free shot of millions of dollars in total prizes. Claim your free shot when using code THPN during sign-up. Playing daily fantasy basketball is simple. Just pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Feel the sweat like never before. Every dunk, steal, assist means so much more with a DraftKings daily fantasy lineup. Baseball fans, you may have missed out on season-long fantasy, so now's your time to get in on all the daily fantasy action where DraftKings has even more ways to make it rain. With DraftKings, payday comes every day for players. So what are you waiting for? Head to the app now. Download the DraftKings app now and use code THPN during sign-up. This week, DraftKings is putting you in the action with a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. That's code THPN, and you can get a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Corey, a.k.a. Bayou Benders, alongside Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. What's up, Mason? Welcome back to another episode of Habs Nightly, everybody. Uh, the fuck's up, dude? Oh, uh, not too much. How about yourself? Just, uh, just fucking boredom. The games aren't even fun to watch, so it's just, it's just boring. You know, I remember at the beginning of the season, it was I was so happy. I was so looking forward to every possible game, and I've, like, reached the point of, like, I'm into the land of like I'm okay with not finishing watching games because we're just terrible. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's been tough to watch. It doesn't help that uh, Daryl Sutter has the Flames playing a total fucking trap card every game. Mm-hmm. Um, boring hockey, and <clears throat> just. I don't know. We can harp on the boys, harp on the team. But, you know, for all that we've done that this year, it hasn't really, you know, it's not going to change anything. We understand what's wrong with this team. But I really want to focus more on why the team is in the position they are now and why we have to dress 7D two games in a row to to in the two most important games of the season thus far as well. Right. Like Mm -hmm. these games mean something. Dominic Ducharme recognized that there, he said they're game three and four of the playoffs. This team is in a much better position. Now they're basically out of it. If we, if we had to sunk the dagger in the first game and then, you know, may we lose last night, we're recording this on the Sunday. So on Saturday, and win the game on Monday, then it's still, you're in a better position. Now you've got a 
hope you can scrape out a win Monday to kind of keep them at bay a little bit. We're just not in a good position at all. And uh, it's directly because of the cap mismanagement from Mark Bergman, realistically. Uh, he said coming into the trade deadline that he was not going to make any moves for this reason, right? He said he recognized that he was in a bit of a cap bind. And instead of listening to himself and his own advice, he saw some cap space become available when Gallagher went down and he acquired his favorite kind of players, depth D. You know, we hear him quite often say that you can never have enough D. And when Mark Bergevin sees a bargain, it seems like he just can't resist. He can't help himself. And I just think that, you know, Gustafson got two assists last night. Um, kind of paying off there, played okay as a depth D, but you've put yourself in this bind, even with the acquisition of Eric Stahl, where you used your two call-ups for no reason. Do you remember that, Corey, at uh, yeah. the trade deadline? Mm-hmm. We can assume it was to alleviate some sort of cap space, possibly for the D'Angelo thing, which we haven't even really talked about because – what is there to say really like D'Angelo the player is someone that this team really needs but D'Angelo the human kind of an asshole right um yeah that's why we haven't talked about him yeah to not give him the time of day like exactly so regardless of whether or not you agree with that move as a fan whatever it it didn't happen let's not focus on what ifs what did happen is we wasted our call-ups so what you've done is even with let's ignore the Merrill and Gustafson acquisitions and focus on Eric Stahl, you know, you've brought in Eric Stahl, but you've basically hamstrung yourself. So you can't just rotate him and Evans out, which is why you would want him, right? You'd want Eric Stahl for a matchup where you're like, okay, we need a big center who's going to win some draws, you know, kind of different style of play. And when you play a team like Calgary or when we're suffering offensively, you say, okay, we'll bring in Evans. He's fast and you know he's young, he's mobile, and you've just hamstrung yourself. You can't do that now. And then to bring in Merrill and Gustafson, you know, we look at the I, I think Merrill was a great accusation. I would mm-hmm. I would get him every time, every trade deadline replay over and over and over again. I love that move. Gustafson on the surface looks like a good deal too, right? You've got You've got a guy who's a power play specialist, a mobile D who we needed desperately mm-hmm. for a seventh round pick. But, you know, I think looking back, when you look at it, the Flyers retain cap space, but they also shed 1.5 mil in a very cap crunched environment. I think that's what Montreal really paid for was with right. cap space to get him. Right. No, and- no, I think you're right. And, um, I think John Merrill was the only the only acquisition that really kind of made sense. If he was gonna if if we were gonna make a move, like you said, I'm okay with that one. Uh, the Gustafson one, I mean, we we've, we've needed a, a moving defenseman, but at the same time, but you we did. but you had one right. You had one in Victor Mete, mm-hmm. who you're right. You're look right. at him. Look at him playing for the Senators. Yeah, it's almost like. Damn, that guy should. Damn, be he actually got a shot to prove yeah. himself. Because 
some players are not they're not made to be depth guys same with goalies some goalies they're phenomenal starters they cannot be a backup mm-hmm. or vice versa right Victor Mete is not a depth defenseman. He's a guy who's going to play in your top four. If you can give him opportunities to make an impact, he will make an impact. But when you're playing him on a bottom pairing role where you're focusing purely on defense, which I don't think he's, he's not a bad defensive player, but you're not giving him those opportunities offensively. You're not going to see the impact, right? You have to give a little bit to get. Yes. And so I just, you know, we can talk about Victor Mete. I'm sure we're going to talk about it in the future because he looks to be carving out a very nice role for himself in Ottawa. But kind of coming back to it, what these things have done, not only have they really hamstrung themselves, you've also, if you're Mark Bergevin, you've really fucked over your young rookie coach. Like, I, I'm not, you know, the happiest with Dom Ducharme right now. But I kind of did some reflecting today because I was just – I was in a state last night. I was so pissed off. I just turned off the game going into the third. Mm-hmm. Um, what 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 would he do, right? Because I think I saw this tweet on Twitter. It might have been Arpon Basel. John, one of them – I sorry, I can't give the credit. I don't remember who. But they said, imagine you're Dom Ducharme. And you have to watch Cole Caulfield in practice every day, and you can't play him. Because if those of you who aren't aware, look up Cole Caulfield after listening to this or pause and listen or go find it. The shootout goal that he scored, like breakaway, whatever you want to call it in practice today as, as of this recording, fucking phenomenal. Corey, I don't know if you saw it. Mm-hmm. He like flicks the puck up and does like an around the world and like hits it into the net. And it's not like just like empty net, like it's on Caden Primo and he scored. It was just fucking nasty. Like, Seems every single practice day we get a cool clip of Cole Caulfield. Right. Yeah. You know, I'm not. I'm not against what you said. Uh, it, it does suck because I mean it's it's not his call to that he's got to sit out. You know, um, we well, really stretch. We really stretch ourselves so thin to acquire. We only really needed to acquire one person, John Merrill, and keep like if we kept Mete, then you just bring in John Merrill. That's gonna kind of glue the weird Shea Weber, Sherrod bullshit. And then yeah. fucking Mete could have just put, been put in the role of Gustafsson. And where's Kulak in all of this? Analytically, our best defenseman on the season. He's played very well, and he's just not getting the time of day. In what world is Kulak our eighth defenseman? So there are things that I'm going to criticize Ducharme for, such as that. But well, why, why are you allowing like a guy that's moved up in your system has proved that he's been playing to be one of the best players defensively for us to bring in new guys that have a bigger name or have been around longer. So that you're just automatically going to expect them to glue better than this kid who's been roughing it out with us this entire time. That and Kulak was one of Bergevin's depth acquisitions that he struck gold with. Mm Mm-hmm. What are you going to do? Are you just going to keep recycling these guys? Keep it going when you already have them? Like you're making unnecessary moves, even if you win, even if you win the trade, you didn't need to make the trade, right? Yeah. And I just think that 
if you have to press yourself that tight against the cap to just dress uh, the best starting lineup, your depth doesn't matter because the second a guy goes down, you're toast. And it's the same two guys. Byron and Drew went down last year and this team crumbled. Look, look what's happened. They go down. We don't even have enough forwards or enough cap space to replace them. We're not playing 7D because they want to. It's because the, the cap was so mismanaged. It's just, it's like shocking. It's like upsetting as a fan. Like you can't, you fucked up that badly. You know what I mean? Like that's ridiculous. Your job is to manage the cap and you've done such a poor job at it. Um, Cole Caulfield, regardless I mean, of if you think, sorry, no, if you think that he could make an impact, if he is the savior, which I don't think he is, he's not, no one's a savior, right? There is no, there, like, after those two performances, after the first one, you, I don't think any hockey mind can look at him and say, ah, oh, he doesn't deserve a chance. He couldn't do anything for this team. Because, fuck, if, that, if those two games weren't just a, a sign from the fucking hockey gods that we need some star talent or just some goal, like just some, you know what I mean, special talent inserted into this team, right. I don't know what is. Um, it, it's a tough moment when you your highlight – how do you say it? Your highlight plays are Cole Caulfield's practice and nothing from the past couple games. Like it's it's a pathetic. Good it's pathetic. Like I'm I'm watching this and I'm more I'm more impressed by this young kid's play than I have been of a team that's just not, you know, just not synced. And like I said, I do feel for Descharm. I don't know what you do in that situation. You just fucking one day at a time. And that's literally this whole team right now. Like you've changed so much of the dynamic that that was the beginning of the season. Like I don't blame these guys for being unfucking glued anymore. This is just a, a fucking wild situation that management has made worse. You know, it's it's good to bring in change, but it's also bad to fucking bring in so much change that you don't know what you're building. Like your true branch of your idea is gone because you just brought in all this extra shit. So, yeah. And it, <clears throat> the stubbornness of Mark Bergevin to continue building this blue line as with huge average at best skating non-mobile defenders is so puzzling to me. I mean, shit. The man's taking risks. I can't blame him for taking risks because I'm sure he feels, you know, a pressure on him. But fuck, man. You know, like, I don't <laughs> I don't think bringing in three people could save you more than just bringing in the, the perfect right one person. You know, I think just it's just so much. There's just so much being overly done. Yeah. No, you're not wrong. Um, but like, you know, we were kind of talking before, we don't want to rap on the Habs the whole episode. And no, I'm not doing that again. Be so. negative because it's just not worth doing it again. I do want to talk about some prospect accomplishments. 
namely in Sean Farrell. Last night, last I believe the last game of the UH, USHL season, Sean Farrell rolled in with 99 points. He had four points the night before. Mm-hmm. He collected, or sorry, 90, no, rolled in with 98 points. Uh, finished with three points to finish the year with 101 and became only the second player <clears throat> this century to finish with 100, over 100 points in USHL. He is also now finished the year with the fifth most assists ever in the USHL, 17 most in this century, like more than second this century. And I say this century because for those of you who aren't that aware of the USHL, the quality of hockey has improved much, like a lot since a lot of these records are set in the 80s. Um, guys were scoring like three points a game. If you had any talent, you could dominate the USHL. So there's kind of two eras of it. And Sean Farrell has put together arguably the greatest season of any uh, USHL player, like post that kind of transition. Right. Uh, like I said, being fifth all time, including those 80s performances, is just a testament to how insane he's been this year obviously it's his d1 year but this is looking like more and more of a draft steal of mark bergerman and trevor timmons a fourth round draft pick just a phenomenal elite playmaker and to cap off the year like that hitting that milestone goal i gotta say i am so excited to see what this guy can do in the ncaa oh yeah um like you said you know uh this this the USHL has definitely improved. Um, but, yeah, I, I can't wait to see a little bit more of this kid. Um, what, where was he playing out of? Chicago Steel. He was supposed to <clears throat> supposed to play for Harvard this year, but the Ivy mm-hmm. League schools canceled their yeah. season. They wanted no part of it. So he stuck around with the Chicago Steel. And... By God, did he go off. He had 56 points, 44 games his first year, his draft year. To almost double that production, uh, pretty much doubled his goal output, 29. He had 15 the year before, 41 assists the year before, 72 assists. This kid just... He's been lighting it up. <laughs> yeah, went off and had and had almost double the amount of penalty minutes this year too it was it was in the box a lot more still racked up the points fucking competing uh, yeah it was to say the least i'm very excited um and if for those of you who aren't as up to date on the prospects this is the same sean farrell who once drafted by the montreal canadians a certain player out of wisconsin uh tweeted out steal in all caps and that would be <laughs> Caulfield. so just to add a little bit of excitement to that um and yeah like where did you where did you want to go to next core did you want to keep I, I know you're not as up to date on the prospects I just well I like I like uh I like your last you know that that steal comment because it's like if he gets a chance to come up here and play with Cole Caulfield there's already that instant connection you know, so 
that's just something I guess to look forward to in the future. Uh, but you know, things are definitely ever changing. But uh, dude, we can go fucking anywhere because I'm just trying to keep the second half positive. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Oh. Um, oh, did you have something? Uh, it's it's a bit outside of hockey, so I'll save it more later towards the end. Um, uh, but if we have any more hockey stuff, we can still you know we can do that real quick. Oh yeah, I got some hockey stuff. So. <clears throat> The Laval Rocket this year. Mesmerizing. Talk about the talk about the tale of two teams, eh? Uh, just absolutely tearing apart the AHL this year. Um, spearheaded by Ryan Paling, but Joel Bouchard has really done a phenomenal job uh, with just the direction of this team. Uh, we were kind of used to in the past Laval. You know, or not Laval, but like Hamilton and St. John's, not always, not always doing great, and never really, personally, never really focused on Laval that much or the team that much because they usually weren't that good. And I think that showed by the lack of drafted players we've seen on the Habs in previous years. But in 29 games this season, Laval is sitting at 22, five and one. They have 79% point percentage. Uh, they lead the Canadian division. Uh, just far and away lead the Canadian division. They have 46 points. Manitoba Moose are sitting at second with 28. Uh, absolutely tearing this team apart. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10. And this, like personally, this has got to be the best Laval Rocket team I think I've ever seen. Um, obviously, like I said, not a big avid AHL guy, but they're leading the eight, all AHL teams in points right now. And if it's not clear how, what good coaching can do for you, um, like Joel Bouchard has just turned, totally turned this around. Oh, hundred percent. Um, and I love that that they're now actually leading the league, but, uh, it's, it's been tough, you know, watching the Canadians, but, you know, if you could take anything away from it is that, you know, there's just a tremendous amount of talent coming up. Um, you know, there's a lot of young guys in there that are making a difference. Uh, but Ryan fucking Paling has been. Lights out. So, that, that I mean, that's another situation, though, right? So, it's like we used up all of our shit, and he, he's having, like, a proven year. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just another oh, we, another roadblock, you know. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately, we if we're gonna call him up, we can't call up Caulfield, so he's gonna be down there. No, no, no. Yeah, no. I I know where we're at. I'm just saying, like yeah. we had moved so much. It's just no. I, I'm agreeing with you. I'm just saying. Uh, I think for sure you're gonna see him on the team. Yeah. Next season. And I'm happy with that because I've been such a such a big supporter of his, and uh, it just. It, you know, the puck hasn't gone his way in a while. Um, and truthfully, during the bubble, you know, with, with them, I forgot I forgot what it was, uh, where he came, he was sick or something, and, it, you know, he just didn't have the best, uh, you know, I guess pre, <laughs> pre-bubble training. And, it, it you know, it got him left out of it. And uh, it's a shame because this dude's obviously fucking getting it this year. Yeah, uh Totally leading the way for the Rocket with 25 points in 28 games, 11 goals, 14 assists. Had a very slow start to the year. Um, in something like his last 12 games, he has eight or nine goals with 
I think 16 points, something ridiculous. I I can't, I'm pulling it off the top of my head right now. Um, He's just been heating it up and absolutely tearing it up down there. Um, This is the Ryan Paling we thought we were getting, I think, last year uh, when he was first, when he was called up. Um, And I think he's going to make the NHL next year and he's going to stick. He's not a center anymore. I think he's going to be a winger in the NHL. But a big boy, uh, six foot one, uh, I think like 200 pounds. He might be six two. I, I don't have the stats in front of me. Sorry, but like big one, <laughs> kind of a, a Josh Anderson type. I think we were talking about this. Um, I think we were talking about this off camera, actually. Uh, kind of really transitioned his game. So college, he was kind of a playmaker. Uh, could put the puck in the net, but really focused on passing the puck, uh, kind of had a skilled game. We saw him in the World Juniors. He was the captain for the American team that won. Uh, same thing, led the tournament in goal scoring, kind of a skilled guy. And we've seen these last few weeks, maybe the month or so, that he's kind of transitioned himself into kind of that power forward game. So he's got this, you know, Josh Anderson has the soft hands that you need to kind of stick handle in front of the net use that speed along the sideboards. And if we can get Brian Paling playing like that in the NHL, I think having two of those guys is really beneficial to your team. Hell yeah. I'm just scrolling Twitter right now. And um, someone brought up Rasmus <laughs> Dalin coming to the Montreal Canadiens. Um, not, not as in like actuality, but like someone just having a hot take. I can't, I can't really find any new shit on it, but there was like, there's just one thread that's just, that just kind of blew up. <laughs> Oh, so I, yeah, I haven't actually seen, like you said, I turned off yeah. the game in the third. No, um, I, this is new to me, so that's why. Well, even uh, Sean Farrell the, just popped up. <laughs> what was the uh, what was the trade offer? No, no, no. It was just saying, like, someone – I think someone had mentioned that that would be uh, a possibility, not like uh, – like there was no, like, details that, as in the, like, uh, this for this. They just said Darlene to Montreal? Yeah. I don't know. Probably just got fucking played. Yeah, I – <laughs> I think it's more of like clue. just a just a hot take, not like someone just being like, "Yeah, this is a insider, insider knowledge." I mean, Darlene would be the perfect kind of player you'd want, right? Um, I think he's just been buried in Buffalo, but if you watch Buffalo games, I think he's definitely. Which I don't know why anyone would. Why would you ever watch a Buffalo game? But well, I thought know, they I, were pretty hot as of late, huh? Uh, they're not doing bad lately. At least, the only uh, time... what? Uh, I think it's is it Reinhardt? One one of the newer guys was was kind of going off. Reinhardt's been there for a while. Okay, then it's uh, what is his name? I think it starts with an M. I could I couldn't tell you. Say. Like I said, yeah, no, I don't don't watch a lot of Buffalo games unless I've got a player in fantasy playing against them. Then I'll tune in and see how many points I'm getting. But I do think Darlene when he has played, has played incredible, like not incredibly, but I guess like you can see the potential there, right? You can see why this guy was drafted first overall. Um, I think in a redraft, I still take him first overall. And we've seen what guys in that draft can do. Even Quinn Hughes was in that draft too, I think. Right. Um, <clears throat> I think I'd still take him. He shows immense potential. He really, I still think could turn out to be the best defenseman in this league. I don't know if he's ever going to dethrone Kale McCarr in his time. Cause that guy's just 
absolutely insane, but I think Dalina's is a phenomenal player. I think uh, Buffalo is going to have to go through another rebuild here pretty soon. And, you know, you might have, you might lose Jack Eichel realistically. Like, I don't know if that guy wants to stick around much longer, but if you're, you know, kind of shipping out everybody, cleaning house, that's the one guy you got to keep. I think he's that good. I think he, right. I just think he's phenomenal. Hell yeah. It's, it's incredible how many watching teams like that. Um, <clears throat> oh, sorry. Got my fucking dry throat here. Um, uh, watching Edmonton and Buffalo absolutely stockpile those high draft picks and to see, you know, the lack of success that both teams have experienced for the most part. I know Edmonton's doing well, <laughs> well lately, but it's kind of incredible. You know, we, we moved We moved uh, like what three picks, but we still have a, uh, I think at least uh nine, nine to 10 fucking picks left. So, I mean, we're, we're not as high as we were obviously, but I mean, I still think we have a, a decent, decent amount. They're, they're not, you know, super high up. I think we got, I think, five in the first three rounds, maybe. Uh, yeah, we still have a lot of draft capital this year and next. Uh, if I'm Mark Bergevin, I look to move back a lot or move into next year. I think this draft is going to be. This one's going to be a toss up. You're either going to have like a fucking. There's going to be a lot of bust potential, mm-hmm. to put it lightly. I think even the top guys, it's looking like, uh, who is it? Owen Power from yeah. Michigan, the defenseman. He's looking like the unanimous number one right now. But uh, even like there's a lot of guys up there who I just think, you know, you've, they've got bust potential because you just haven't seen them enough, right? You're going to see a lot of Americans because they're still playing go pretty high. Uh, that being said, there's also – you know, possibility for the opposite. You're going to see some fifth round picks turn into fucking Pavel Dotsuk, right? Drafted right. in the seventh round. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what teams do with drafting this year. If teams kind of take some more chances, kind of go outside the box, it'll be interesting. And by I am by no means a draft expert, but as someone who like has a pretty vested interest in it each year, uh, mainly because the Habs have finished so low the last few seasons uh, i don't know a lot of names this year realistically i can usually name around 70 guys you know first second round maybe borderline third round guys and this year i've got it's been tough dude 10 15 names yeah that i really know about but other than that it's been i guess uh, since we've kind of been talking about prospects and drafting you know this episode's been a little bit of a shambles um where what do you think is Montreal gonna make the playoffs? I guess is the real question. It's it looked like they were kind of they couldn't. Fuck I mean, we had up, a demanding fucking lead and look at us. It's looking <laughs> like they could fuck it up. Realistically, like it's not it's not looking good. I mean, shit. We've we've what well, we dropped the last. Uh, I think we're fucking two and two and five right now in the last five and we're going to about to go up against the flames who said our number. Um, fuck. Basically. I think, I think they're just, they've probably been one of the worst teams to play for us to play against this season. Um, and we got a game tomorrow. Well today, when you guys are listening to this and then Wednesday's Toronto. So it's, this is a fucking battle and, and, and it's Jesus. Then, then Winnipeg fucking, 
we're uh we definitely have got to to steal you know some games coming up because uh we just really dropped the ball and hey man you never know calgary calgary might find themselves you know if they if they're stealing fucking points from us dude shit they they might just squeak in like that and i i guess the follow up question to that would be is that a good thing for us though because realistically, I've said a few times on this podcast, it's looking like this team is just going to fucking scrape into the playoffs and then, you know, get swept. It's it's not looking good. So I'm just one. Obviously, I never cheer for my team to lose. But I want to know what you think. Like, would it benefit us at all to make the playoffs this year? Because, you know, as we said, even if you get a high pick this year, the bust potential is really high. So it's kind of a tough situation to be in. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. I, I don't want us to lose out. Um, I think it's, I think there's still a bit of positivity if you make it to the playoffs, just like last year, just another, another chance for guys to see, you know, to see another, another round of it. But I don't know. I guess I'd I'd still want to make it just to be, you know, from a fan side of it, not even going into like, you know, what it does to us uh, in the off season. You know, I still want to see my team succeed. It's just, it's tough. This isn't the team you you were thinking could make a run in the beginning or at least, you know, pass the first round. But uh, I I just looked it up. We got the last uh, Calgary game is Monday. And I think we've only beat them two times out out of eight. So we've only won two games this year. Yeah, they beat yeah, us six so. times. Hundred percent have to like. Uh, you got to at least win this one, dude, because they've had our number the entire season. Like I thought, playing against the Senators was tough, and then <laughs> we got three games in a row with with Calgary, and I just forgot. I mean, even before the coach changed, they were they picked us apart, and they're still doing it. I just don't understand how this team can be expected to beat anyone if they can't like in the playoffs. I mean, if we can't beat any team consistently, mm-hmm. outside of Vancouver, we haven't really beaten anyone consistently this yeah, year. Yeah, odds aren't in our favor. Like like you're saying, like Vancouver was like a positive for us, but all all uh, the rest of them has been just you know. Yeah, it's it's not been great. And, you know, this, like I said, this podcast, this episode on this podcast has been a bit of a shambles, but uh, do you have anything else to add before we kind of <laughs> take her out here? Hopefully we get some, I don't know, some energy back. There's nothing to fucking talk about. There was, about. I don't want to talk about us losing anymore. No, two episodes back was horrendous. <laughs> I'm glad people liked it because, you know, you were saying some truthful things as, as a fan. But it's like, fuck, dude, I don't ever want to have an episode where all we do is shit on a team and it's a it's a shitty fucking atmosphere, you know? Fuck that. Uh, fair enough. I'd rather a shambles episode than, than just a straight misery episode. But uh did you did you get a chance to watch any of the fights last night? I don't watch don't watch fights. Or two sixty one might have been the craziest uh, UFC fucking fight card I've ever watched. Um, some dude, it was Chris Weidman. Probably don't know who the fuck that is, but uh, it's yeah, the guy, phenomenal NHL player who knocked out an official. <laughs> yeah, said said guy, right? Yeah, well, was he just practicing? Yeah, well, he kicked the fuck out of uh, oh man, 
uh, I think it's Uriah Hall. He kicked him in his leg, dude, and his leg snapped. And it just went to fucking wiggling, dude. I got so sick last night watching that shit. Uh, but they had, like, two really good knockouts, but uh, it was some bad breakage the entire – well, the first two fights were just bad breaks um, to the point to where, like, I got fucking clammy. I had to, like, stop drinking and fucking collect myself. Dude, it was terrible. But uh, I'm also – I got the most bizarre uh, bottle of waters – uh, I got a 24 pack and, a, and I'm really frustrated drinking these. Um, have you ever had a bottle of water that doesn't have a twist cap? That doesn't have a twist cap, like no. a reusable water bottle of water. Yeah, like it, it doesn't twist off. It's okay, uh, it just like yeah, it's, it's like a fucking milk tab, like a like a little pop, and that's it. A milk and it, it's, tab. Yeah, like, like, fuck, I don't know. Uh, you're you forgetting, you're forgetting yeah. my milk's bagged, bud. Yeah, okay. All right, let's change it. Um, Any type of bottle for Canadians that would have a pop top, no screws, just you fucking pop it off. Yeah. That's how Re- this entire case. Of- oh, but these aren't like reusable. They're like. No, these are disposable ones, but I'm saying like, I bought. I have an entire case of water that could have easily like just flooded my car because the design is not a twist cap. It's, it just, it's a pop. So there's nothing really holding that cap on there other than just the, the force of it sitting on like one lip. And uh, well, anyway, I fucking opened it up my first one at like 4 AM just can't, couldn't sleep. <laughs> and, I fucking kept turning it and it wouldn't work. And I looked at it and I said, okay, it's a pop. And when I popped it, dude, like I lost like a good five sips just like hit me straight in the face. So not only is it is it a flawed design, it's dangerous. Like I got fucking soaked, dude. You're like gonna law- start a lawsuit against this company. No, I'm not gonna start a lawsuit, but dude, like it it scared the fuck out of me. I like a bunch of water got on turkey fucking so he's 4 a.m screaming and i this is the worst water food club bottle design is the worst water i've ever had in my life the water's great the bottle design is terrible like this shit could have easily if i turn it sideways it'll probably drip because there's nothing really holding the bottle on anyway i'm just gonna keep rambling on this has been have nightly you guys, thank y'all so much for listening. Please follow us on Twitter at Habs Nightly and Bayou Benders. Uh, Mason, got anything else? Uh, no, 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 that'll be it for me We'll today. fucking see y'all later. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. gonna be really interesting like i like pinto and i i remember everyone like and this is the thing that i think sense fans need to start realizing we need to stop looking at the draft we really need to stop looking at a player being like he was drafted way too early 
You know who you can make an argument who was drafted way too late? Mark Stone. Sixth round pick and now he's making nine and a half million dollars. Pajot, drafted I think in the fifth round and making five million. Hoffman, Welcome to the Sens Hour Podcast, your number one source for Sens content, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, hosted by Shane from Ottawa and... And Derek from Muskoka, almost near Leaf Country out here. Um, but I think Clevin was, was right up there because they traded up to get him uh, with the Leafs. And again, they, they passed up some talented players for a guy like Clevin. But now Clevin's all of a sudden looking like a talented player himself. Like that goal that he scored um, in the third game in UND was outrageous. It was just not something you're expecting from the Twitter scouts, especially. <laughs> Sends our podcast, your number one stop for all your Senators content. New episodes coming at you every Monday and Thursday, part of the Hockey Podcast Network. Have a good one. Stay safe. Take care. <laughs>